open up your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4, and thank you, worship team. I'm so uh, glad to be here this morning, and I want to thank you for all your prayers. I just got so sick, and if I pause in between, pray, because um, that's the only thing that's lingering. I got rid of the ear infection, got rid of the sinus infection, but this cough lingering, and I don't want it anymore. Um, and uh, I just wanted to throw in a plug for uh, my journey group. I have a marriage journey group that takes place on Tuesday. <coughs> and um, this coming Tuesday, what's happening this Tuesday? Valentine's Day. So let me just tell all of the husbands now, you got two days to plan. Okay? When you were dating, you planned your date. You didn't just like, well, whatever. You planned. And so that's the same care that I want you to do this coming Tuesday, that you would plan your date. Planning means no phone. You don't take your phone with you. You don't take your kids with you. You don't, get, you don't take, go to a restaurant where you could watch TV. You don't do any of that. You do what you used to do on a date, focus, focus, focus. When you were dating your wife, she was the most important thing. And um, I want you to be able to let your spouse know how important they are this Valentine's Day. The Bible says that Jesus gave his life just as every husband should give their life for their wife. So I want you to do that. And, um, and you will, if you have a happy wife, you will have a happy life. Not a happy wife, you're in trouble. <laughs> but uh, make someone happy. This Make your spouse happy, not someone. Make your spouse happy this coming Tuesday. And uh <coughs> so we're not having a journey group because I already challenged every husband to uh, take their wife on a special date. But next coming Tuesday, we're picking up and we're continuing in the marriage group. So uh, if you want to be a part of it, I sure would love to have you there. Ephesians chapter 4, <coughs> and actually, I'm only going to be preaching on, on one scripture, but there was just so much that I just said, well, I'm just going to read it anyway, just because it's good. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified, so it might be just a little bit different than what you might be having in your hands. But we're gonna, I'm going to start reading in verse 21, just because it's good. Since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. In other versions, it said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. The scripture I want to focus on is just verse 30. Like I said, I just want to read all the other ones. Do not grieve, do not quench the Holy Spirit of God. Turn to your neighbor before you have a seat and ask him, have you quenched the Holy Spirit? Go ahead and have a seat. Now, some of you are saying, I don't even know. Well, after today, you're going to know if you've quenched or grieved the Holy Spirit. I don't think in all of the years that I have spoken, I've ever really just focused on this scripture. But I really felt a burden to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit because most of us, when we read that scripture, we said, well, how do I grieve the Holy Spirit? What, what, how do I quench the Holy Spirit? That's what I'm going to tell you today. So, point number one. How, what do we know of the Holy Spirit? Point number one, if the Holy Spirit grieves, he must be a person. Because as people, we grieve. When we have a close personal relationship with someone, we hurt. We've all heard that yesterday Whitney Houston died. If you didn't hear about it, she died yesterday. And when I heard it, you know, I, I was a little sad. Sad because of the way that she finished her life. She didn't finish her life up here. She finished her life down here. I didn't mourn. I didn't cry. I was just sad. But those who are close to her are in grief today. Grief is reserved for those who are in a close, intimate, personal relationship. Grief comes from the Greek word lupit, which symbolizes a pain or grief that can only be experienced between two people who deeply love each other. That's what this word grief comes from. This word would normally be used to picture a husband and wife who have discovered that one of them has been unfaithful. That's grief. Because of this unfaithfulness, the, the betrayed spouse is devastated, shocked, hurt, wounded, and grieved. This scripture tells us that there is a relationship between the Holy Spirit and us. That is how deep it is. It's a personal, intimate relationship. To the point where it talks about a husband and wife. It's that intimate. It's that personal. It is that valuable. It is that costly. The Holy Spirit is deeply in love with you. I mean, he is deeply in love with you. And the Bible says that he wants to reveal himself to us. But when we act like the world, talk like the world, behave like the world, respond the same way the world would, it causes the spirit of God in us to be grieved, to be shocked, to be devastated, to be hurt. 
When we deliberately do what is wrong, we drag him into the same entanglement of sin in us because he goes wherever we go. Wherever you go, he's there. Some of you may not have been in the right place last night. Guess what? He was there with you. Some of you may find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. He's there. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicted us, brought us to Jesus, lives inside of us, sanctifies us, empowers us, and he faithfully goes with us wherever we go. But we forget. We forget. Oh, yeah, I know. He's here. No, he's here. So when we deliberately enter into sin, it grieves him. Just as a husband or wife would feel when they would discover that their spouse has been unfaithful or they've committed adultery, the Holy Spirit is shocked when we dishonor his presence in our life. We lose power in our life. You know that there are some people who have not heard the Holy Spirit speak to them for a long time because the Holy Spirit's been grieved. When a person is grieved, and I know what it is to be grieved, and I know many of you know what it is to be grieved, you don't have words to express your grief, your, your hurt, your shock, you're devastated, and you're just kind of like, you're quiet. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved in our life because of the way we behave, or the way we act, or the way we talk, or the way we think, the Holy Spirit becomes grieved doesn't speak to us anymore. We wonder, what happened? What happened to that power? Holy Spirit says, I, I've been here. I'm just hurt. Hurt with the way that you thought. Hurt the way you talked. Hurt the way you acted. Hurt with the words that you've used to people. See, we lose power in our lives when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Some of us have probably been hindered for so long that we wonder why there's no power in our life. <coughs> it's like a phone or an iPad or anything else that you need to plug in. You've got to power it up. When you use your phone every day, at nighttime, you've got to power it up. You've got to put some juice back into there. But we forget that we need to be powered up. We need to be plugged back into the Holy Ghost. We can give and give and give, but we got to stay plugged into the Holy Ghost. If you got your phone, sometimes you don't use your phone. You don't use it for a whole day. And you're like, wow, how did it die? Sometimes you come into church and you feel so disconnected. Oh, man, what happened to me? Am I dead? Probably just because you haven't been powered up. In such a long time. When was the last time you used the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to get victory? When was the last time you used the power of the Holy Spirit to walk away from sin? When was the last time the Holy Spirit told you, shut up? And you did. Because the Holy Spirit will tell you. He will tell you, just zip, stop. How many times did you listen to him? And after a while, when you, don't, when you ignore him and ignore him and ignore him, they're just like, all right, you're going to listen to me anyhow. 
When was the last time you shared the good news of the gospel with someone? Because, see, that's what we're called to do. The Bible says that we will be witnesses after the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Some of us have the Holy Spirit, but we lack the power. We lack the power because the Holy Spirit has been grieved. It's been quenched. Being a witness isn't always talking. Being a witness is living. You are to be a light in darkness. Some of you, maybe you're not a talker. Maybe you're not someone who goes out there and just, you know, talks to anybody. But how you live and how you work, if you're the kind of person at work who takes long breaks and long lunches, comes in late, leaves early, calls in all the time that you're sick, are you going to be a testimony of light in the midst of darkness? I don't think so. I wonder how you would change your life if I told you that I got a memo that said Jesus was coming back next Sunday. How would your life change this week? You go, man, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to even fast. I'm going to be nice to everybody. I'm going to be nice. I'm even going to apologize to my spouse. They don't deserve it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to be nice to my neighbor who I can't stand. I, even that person that cuts me off at the freeway, I'm just going to wave. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to say a wrong word. I'm not going to do any of that. How many of us would change our life if we knew that Jesus was coming next Sunday? What if I told you he's coming back tomorrow? Or Tuesday? See, we, <coughs> when you're young, you think you're infallible. You think you've got so much time. You think you, ah, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And that's kind of how we think when we think of Jesus coming back. It's later, it's later, it's later. But do you have later? Do you have enough time? Have you grieved the Holy Spirit in your life to the point where he's not talking to you? You have him, but has he been talking to you? We get so used to living lukewarm lives. We're here on Sunday, maybe two Sundays out of a month, maybe three. We can tear ourselves away. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us for power, and we just don't use it. See, we believe and teach that the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He's part of the three persons in one triune God. But we don't really think of the Holy Spirit in a personal way. See, there's a story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And <coughs> I'm just going to give you the story of Ananias came to Peter. And he brought some money to Peter. He sold a piece of land. <coughs> and he brought it to him. And he says, this is all the money for everything that I sold. Which was wrong because he kept half the money back for him and his wife. But he said, this is all the money. And what is interesting is that Peter told Ananias, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit was an it and not a real person, 
You couldn't lie to it. You can't lie to things. You can't lie to your baseball glove. You can't lie to your bike. You can't lie to your car. You can't lie to things that aren't alive. Peter said you lied to the Holy Spirit. In fact, people who talk to their cars and bikes and things, you know, <coughs> some of you tend to talk to pen openers when they don't work and talk to cars. Come on, car, come on. You can, you know, some of you have even named your car. You can't lie to things that aren't part of the living. It would be foolish to say, husbands, I told my wife's hands a lie this morning. I told my wife's hands I would help with the dishes, but I didn't. You can't lie to someone's hands. You lie to the person, not to their hands. So when Peter says that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit, it proves that the Holy Spirit is a person. It is not an it. It is not just a force. It is a person who has feelings, and the feelings are offended when they're lied to. So that's important that you understand today <coughs> that the Holy Spirit is a person. Secondly, you need to know that the Holy Spirit can be hurt. Now, to understand what grieves the Holy Spirit, you have to understand the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit takes people who are dead in their sins, people who are blind to the grace of God, people who are born enemies of God, and he turns them into children of God. And he does this by bringing them to believe that God's son, Jesus, gave himself as an offering, a sacrifice, and was accepted to God. His death on the cross covered and paid for every single one of our sins. Give the Lord a hand for that. So, how can the Holy Spirit be hurt? In our text that I read, Paul treats the Holy Spirit as someone who has feelings. Because he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. See, trees aren't sad when someone goes and cuts a limb off a tree. They don't cry when squirrels go in there and they rob them of their acorns. Bicycles don't cry when they get a flat tire. Things don't grieve. But if I cut my finger... My finger is not going to grieve. I may hurt, but my finger is not going to grieve. It's not going to cry. But if one of my grandchildren cuts their fingers, they're going to cry. They cry because my grandchild is a person. And it's the person that feels the pain. It's the person that grieves. That's why the Holy Spirit can be hurt. In Ephesians 4.29, in the Amplified, it says, Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk come out of your mouth. Now, that word unwholesome in the Greek is sapros. And you know what it means? It means rotten. It, it is used to describe rotten fruit. It is used to describe rotting flesh. And Paul says, no rotting Flesh, no rotten fruit should come out of your mouth. He's saying no words of death should come out of your mouth. Because the Bible says that this little member here has the power of life and death. 
Now, I know when I was raising my children, <coughs> I would tell them, since they were little, whatever word me and daddy used, you can use. No matter what it is, if we say it, you can say it. Now, what my husband and I did is we just put our boundaries ooh, real small. Now, I didn't, I came from a family that cussed. I did not. But my husband did. Before he knew God, he told me he was a uh, pretty good <laughs> man who cursed. And I know many of you, every other word was probably an expletive. But when you tell someone, when you tell children who are looking at you, if I say it, you can say it, that pretty much gives you some really small boundaries. And we pretty much kept, I think we, we kept to those, that promise of if we say it, you can say it. And I mean, we didn't even, I didn't even let my children use the word shut up, right? Not even the word stupid. But some of you are going, man, but that's like, <laughs> that, but those were my boundaries. I didn't want to hear my kids tell each other, you stupid, shut up. It just sounds horrible. Shut up means like I wish the world would open up and swallow you because I don't want to hear you. I never wanted to get that impression from my children with each other. Bible says in Proverbs 18, 20, and 21, a man's self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequence of his words. He must be satisfied. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it, whether it's death or life. Now, I just told you <coughs> that unwholesome means rotten. Rotten stuff belongs in the trash. So I'm here to tell you today that, you know what? No more trash talking. So what's trash talk? Give me a list. I have a list for you. Swearing, vile language, curse words, ugly sexual innuendos, slander, false accusations, character assassination, mean words, words that tear someone down, critical words, harsh words, and telling someone's secrets. Paul says, those are not supposed to come out of our mouth. Those are the things that grieve the Holy Spirit in us. Sometimes we wonder, what is wrong? How come there's no power? You've been telling somebody's secrets? Are you the kind of person that just can't hold a secret? Guess what? How'd you do this week? Better yet, how'd you do this morning? See, we need to be sensitive to the fact that the Holy Spirit is always with us. Everywhere we go, he goes. Our words and our attitude can cause him grief. See, I was a natural pessimist. I, I grew up as a pessimist. Maybe it was because of the way that I grew up. Maybe it was because of the pain that I experienced in my life so young. I grew up always looking at life half full. 
no matter what happened, it was always half empty. And I always saw the negative. I, it was hard for me to see the positive. I know that there are some of you, there might be just one or two, but you're like me. And I remember getting together with my husband, and he was a natural optimist. He saw the glass half, you know, like it was almost full. And, and actually, he would get on my nerves. Because he always, you know, saw the good side, and he always was the optimist, and I was always the negative. I remember when we rented this place to have service here years, I don't know, 20 years ago, and, uh, and I said, oh, no, this, you know, this doesn't even look like a church. And I just was, and he was like, no, we're going to do this. And I said, no, this is too small. And I looked at all the negative. He looked at all the positive. And, and I, I remember asking him one time, how could you be such an optimist? You were a heroin addict. How could you be like that? And you know what he said? He said every morning he would wake up and he would tell himself, I'm going to get all the money I need to get a fix. No matter what, I'm going to get that money. He had no idea where he was going to get the money. He didn't know how he was going to get the money. He didn't know who he was going to get the money from. But being the optimist, he said, I'm going to get the money. And nine years of heroin addiction proved every day the optimist got the money. And if he could live positively like that for the devil, how can we live negatively for Christ? We let the enemy cloud our vision and cause us to see the negative. And I knew that living with him, somebody was going to have to change, and it surely wasn't going to be him. I had to change. I had been hindered in my life and in my spirit for so long because I only saw negative. Now, I know that I have grieved the Holy Spirit with some of my actions and some of my attitudes throughout um, my almost 40 years of serving him. But in order to change and develop a stronger personal relationship, I had to remind myself, Holy Spirit's with me. Holy Spirit's inside of me. I can't go anywhere or do anything that he's not there with me. I keep repeating this because if we begin to understand and operate as if the Holy Spirit is always with us, then we probably wouldn't do some of the things we do. See, remember earlier when I talked about how the word is about a marriage, an intimate relationship, and how grief is about one spouse being unfaithful? I don't think that that spouse would have been unfaithful if the other spouse was always with them. There would be no time. There would be no place. There would be no room for unfaithfulness if that spouse was always there. And so that's what we need to understand, that the Holy Spirit is always with us. <coughs> this is what Paul is trying to get through to us. There are things that we should not be doing in our life because the Holy Spirit is with us, trying to positively influence us to walk right. And when we choose to disobey, it grieves him. What's the connection? The connection is, is that harsh, unkind words grieve the Holy Spirit because he lives inside of us. 
when things are not going right, right with your spouse, I don't care how happy you look, you're not happy. Because you need to make it right with your spouse. And in the same way, the way you've been living, some of you, you got to make it right with the Holy Spirit. Because he's been grieved. There's no po- there is power in your words when, that you use to your children. There's power in the words that you use to your spouse. There's power in the words that you even use to yourself. If you tell your kids, man, you're always a mess up. Some of you grew up like that. Guess what you turned out to be? A mess up. If you always tell your husband, you always do this to me. You never remember me on Valentine's Day. You're always, you're never. Guess what? They're going to live up to that. Even words to yourself. Man, I can't say anything right. I can't get this job. I can't remember scripture. I can't, I can't, I can't. There's power in words, power in the word of God. Death and life are in our tongue. Number three. The Holy Spirit cares. He's not only a person, not only does he hurt, but he cares. Now, I know as a parent, if a child walks by me in a public place, if I'm at Walmart or Target or whatever, and he uses foul language, I'm going to get annoyed. I, I might even get a little bothered. But it doesn't affect me because I don't have a relationship with that child. But if I should hear one of my own children or my grandchildren use a word that is not appropriate, that's going to bother me a lot. I'm going to get the soap out. I'm going to get the belt out. Why? Because I care. I love them, and I want them to grow up to be respectful and godly children. I have tried my best to teach which words should be used and which words shouldn't be used. But, um, you know, I just kind of want you to imagine this. Imagine you get into a rental property. You, you, you have money. You've been given $100,000, $200,000. And now you have an opportunity not to buy a house, but to buy a house that you're going to rent. And you find this house, and it's a mess. So you're going to do what everybody else does. You're going to flip it. So you go and you see that this house is thrashed. You go in and the the cabinets are old and they're messed up. So what you do is you use this money and you say, I'm going to put in brand new cabinets. I'm going to put in all new wood floors. I'm going to sand them down, refinish them. I'm going to take out all of the the falling plaster and put up new walls and I'm going to paint the whole house. I'm just going to do everything brand new for this house. And you work hard to get this place to a point where you would love to live in it. And then these people come by and they want to rent it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they move in. And when they move in, you notice they got three cats and two dogs. And you're like, oh, man, I just put in new carpet. Oh, well. We'll see. Within a week, you begin to see the trash in the front yard. The following week, you drive by and there's a broken window in the front room. How does it make you feel to know that you've put in all this sweat and all this work into a house? The word that you could probably use would be grieve. That could describe how you feel. 
And Paul, that's why Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because just like we bought that house, we've been bought with a price. And since the day the Holy Spirit reclaimed us, brought us to faith, he's been working to make us new from the inside out. Can you imagine how the Holy Spirit must feel when we rent out a place in our heart, we rent out a room to sin? You know that little pet sin that we just kind of can't give up? That, that little site on the computer, that little book, that person that we chat with that we have no business chatting with? You know, that little pet thing that, you know, it's just, we'll just give him a closet. But he's still got a room and he's renting it. If you're harboring a grudge, you're harboring anger, and you won't let it go, you've got a room being rented. If you're holding to a sinful fantasy that is only played out in your mind and nobody knows, you've got a room rented in your life. If you indulge in a habit, you're hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. You've got a room rented. And if you rent a room to sin in your life, then you're telling the Holy Spirit, you know what, you can't clean and redecorate because... You know, I, I kind of know what I like. And if you're willing to rent a room to that one sin, how long is it going to be before you're willing to rent another room? And another room. And another room. Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve. Our words need to change in the way that we talk to each other. If it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. Sometimes we say things, oh, I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. You meant every word that you said. Because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is here will come out here. Don't say something, say, oh, I didn't mean it. Yeah, you did. The Bible says you did. If the Holy Spirit is grieved, it's because we might be renting out one of the rooms. And the last thing is that the Holy Spirit will not leave. <coughs> He's not only a person. He not only hurts. He not only cares, but he's not going to leave. The Holy Spirit does not take an investment in your salvation lightly. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit because you were sealed for the day of redemption. That seal that, he, that Paul is talking about was usually a ring or a stamp that used to be worn around the neck. And in ancient times, everybody had their own seal. Not everybody knew how to write. But they had a seal and they would wear it around their neck so there was no identity theft because they wore their seal around their neck. You didn't just sign your name. You stamped your name. Your seal was put into wax or clay and it was a permanent mark that nobody could erase. That seal said, this is my name. That seal said, this is my possession. That seal said, I verify that. It was like a brand that ranchers use when they brand cows. They have a certain way that they brand them. And when they brand that cow, that says, this cow belongs to that ranch. Now, you could alter or change it with another branding iron, but if you were to look at that brand up close, you would be able to see whose brand it is. If a cow is marked with a certain brand, it belongs to a certain ranch. And that cow with that brand better not show up in somebody else's ranch because it belongs 
to this rancher. That brand was burned into that cow's hide, and it meant that the rancher made a commitment to that cow. He made a commitment to feed that cow. He made a commitment to make sure that he was taken care of. He made a commitment that he was not going to allow that cow to go wandering everywhere he wanted to go because he was branded. If they went to an auction and all the cows that came with that brand were all mangy and skinny, what would that say about the rancher? He didn't care. When you first asked Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit entered your heart. You were baptized into Jesus' name. He took up residence there. You were branded. You got a seal. His presence in your heart is his seal. That seal gives a message to the enemy loud and clear. That one belongs to me. Don't you dare try to meddle with them because that's my seal. The Bible says that we're sealed to the day of redemption. <coughs> he abides in us. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. And you got to know everywhere you go, he's there. If we were to rewrite Ephesians 30, it would say, stop deeply wounding and causing such extreme emotional pain to the Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed until the day of redemption. So I need to ask you this morning, if your behavior has been wrong, if your thoughts have been wrong, if your words have not been kind, you can't just confess your sin right here. Some of you need to go and confess to the person that you did it to, to the person that you said it to. Sometimes we think, well, I really, I cleared it up. Me and God, we're, we're good. We're good. But yeah, what about your spouse? What about your child? What about your coworker? What about that person that's sitting on the other side of the church from you? We need to be restored back to fellowship with the Spirit of God. If we quench the Holy Spirit long enough, we will become spiritually hardened and we will no longer be able to hear him. When was the last time you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? It will be like his voice just evaporates because we don't hear it. That's what quenching does. It just evaporates his voice. Bow your heads with me this morning. I want you to as you bow your heads and you close your eyes, I want you to really look deep within. You may have had a fire, but somehow the enemy has caused a bucket of water to come and try to douse it. Maybe it's your words. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe you've rented out a room and you need to take back that room. Maybe you need to change the way you talk, the way, you're, the way your attitude is. Check those rooms out in your heart. Are you holding a grudge? Are they rented out to a pet sin? This morning, I'm here to tell you Jesus is coming back. If I were to tell you next Sunday, you would take time to get it together. But if I told you he was coming back today, everything of who you are 
he would lay out before the Lord. And that's the way every message should be that you hear. That he could be coming back in five minutes, in five days, in five months, in five years. But how you live your life, will the Holy Spirit be able to say, man, I, I, I couldn't talk to you because I was grieved. I was hurt. If you're here this morning and you know that the Holy Spirit in your life has been grieved in some way, shape, or form, could you raise your hand? I'd like to pray with you. bless you, all of you. This morning, I want you to stand. We're taking communion this morning. The Bible says that